Welcome to Fans of the Forge. I'm Chris. To my right, we have... Teresa. To my left, we have... No, it's Sean. And our special guest today, we have Alex Ruiz. And you are the Forge and Fire champion from the Horseman's Axe episode this this season. So yes. welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Well, it's our great pleasure mm. to be talking to a champion. Uh, we don't get you, to do this too often. <laughs> you had Drew Godson. That yeah. guy is amazing <laughs> for his age. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and Jason okay. Knight. Well, all right. Yeah. So we're making a bit of a habit of <laughs> it, I guess. But uh, <laughs> how long have you been bladesmithing for? Uh, two and a half years now. Really? And were you a blacksmith prior to that? Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, I was definitely a blacksmith. Still am. I prefer it, actually. Uh, I love making knives. With blacksmithing, I can be a lot more creative. That's My skill set allows me to be more creative there than with bladesmithing. You know, you have to be really, really skilled to get creative with knives. You know, look at Burt Foster, Jason Knight, David Broadwell, uh, Grant Chambers. These guys are above and beyond because they're super, super skilled at what they do. They can get creative. Right, right, right. How did you get into to blacksmithing? Um, I had a little free time on my hands, and I needed to fill it with a hobby because I'm, I'm always doing something. If it's not music, it's building things or learning to do something else. And blacksmithing came as a result of seeing some stuff on YouTube. Uh, Olsen Ironworks was the video I saw. Some like decorative bottle openers, and I said, "You know what? That's cool." And then I looked them up; they were really expensive. <laughs> I said, "Okay, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make that." <laughs> and so, I I made a very very rudimentary forge, and I haven't stopped since. Great. That was four years ago. Wow. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Cool. So then, when or why did you transition to bladesmithing? I was surrounded by knife makers. Um, <laughs> Jane uh, James Helm. Uh, he was in the Cats Balger episode winner, uh, Tobin Nieto, season two, episode eight champion. Uh, he's a local also. James Hughes, the uh, sword, uh, sword Breaker episode, uh, he won at Chris Farrell up in Austin. So I'm really surrounded by, you know, knife makers and not just knife makers, but champions who have been on that show. Yeah. Um, so they, they were kind of the ones pushing me to get on. Cool. cool. I thought they were crazy. <laughs> so are you still uh, just part-time then oh yeah yeah uh it's it's hard to be full-time in, in in bladesmithing or blacksmithing there's there's plenty of guys who do it and hats off to them because it's it's tough work there's a lot there's a lot to being self-employed that i don't feel like i want to deal with right. <laughs> quarterly taxes don't sound fun to me no yeah no, no, I've, no. I've heard a little bit about that <laughs> so Right now, do you have a certain number of customers that you're making things for or, or projects yes. ongoing? Oh, yeah. There's uh, so much stuff on the bench now, uh, more so than before. Uh, mostly it was local. A lot of Texas people wanted my stuff, and now it's like people from all over are seeing my stuff, and that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I do have a couple of customs right in front of me. I wasn't able to make it out of the office to go to the post office, so they're right here. <laughs> <laughs> I, but uh, yeah, I was doing work. The most recent one is a uh, customer wanted a Viking sax, and he wanted it to look like an original. Oh wow! So wow. I, so I went all out and put the old Norse there. Oh nice! Uh, textured the uh, spacers, stainless steel, textured them. I got my stamp right there, and that's really sharp. I shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, wedge wedge and tenon uh, pinning system. Uh, I've seen it before, but Wesley Alberson from the uh, Master Master Apprentice episode, uh, we talked about that at Blade Show, and I'm like, you know what? I should really give it a shot. And hats off to him. We were actually doing a sax at the exact same time, but he was doing it, uh, I think, for, for something else, and I was doing this one for a customer. So it was funny that we were doing the same thing at the same time, and I decided to use his uh, method. So hats off to him because he's the one who kind of – got me hooked on this wedge and tenon system for the end. Oh, okay, cool. So then has your customer base kind of taken off after you were on the show, or is that a coincidence, do you think? Um, it's taken off for sure. Um, 
I don't consider myself like some fantastic maker, but what I do know is I know how to forge a blade, I know how to grind them, and I know how to put them through destructive tests. So um, before anything gets handles on them, I take them, I bash them against all kinds of stuff. I'll even do what Tobin does. He takes them and he just drops them right on the concrete floor because if it's going to break, it breaks. Yeah. And he tests the edge that way. So the, if you look, it was like little chips off the concrete floor from when he just does that, you know, drops the shops some point first. Oh, wow. wow. I saw on a show that you used a coal forge. Um, do you just use that exclusively? Do you also use propane? 90% of what I do is in a coal forge. And then I have, I have two gas forges. So um, I use those for heat treating and normalizing. And uh, I use them for classes and demos. So when I'm teaching, I use a, coal, a gas forge. And when I'm doing demos, it's just easier to carry around a gas forge. Right. You know, coal forge is a lot of maintenance, setup, smoke, and everything. It takes a while to really just turn off and cool down. I just turn it off. Turn off a gas forge. That's it's easy for me. You know? Oh yeah. Is there any other kind of I don't know special equipment you use on you know regularly? No, I really don't have a lot of power power tools. Really major power tools. I don't have a power hammer. I don't have a press. Uh, still do everything by hand. I'm gonna build a power hammer. Luckily, I've got a number of friends who've already done that, so they've kind of worked with me. I just haven't had time to start this project. Custom orders keep coming in, and I don't have time to dedicate 40 hours to a to a build like a power hammer. Right. Oh yeah. And I'm also reluctant to run a 220 because I think I might max out my panel and the house explodes or something. <laughs> Possible. Yeah. <laughs> what type of lead time are you telling your customers now when it comes to uh, a new request? Like, how long are you telling them it's going to take you? My lead time for the, for this project right here was almost a month because I had so many other things I was working on at any given time. Um, so I'm looking at about a month or so. Uh, I, well, before, because I didn't have as many people, so uh, my, my lead time was like, if you called me on Monday, it would be the, it'd be ready to ship by like Wednesday. <laughs> wow, no. that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I forge. It's just I forge quick. I have a method for some making small knives like um like this like the like this little one right here. Yeah, that's that's quick and easy. It's fun, and you know it doesn't even need a handle material on it because it's supposed to be a blacksmith style knife. You know, right? This is this will go out. Almost next day, if I if I do several of them at once. So did you make a bunch? Like I saw on Instagram, like yesterday, I think you posted a picture. Yeah, of that's that's like a two hours, two and a half hours right there of forging. So those several knives were from right. two and a half hours of forging. Oh wow, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. That's really impressive. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're not really that. They're not that much bigger than this, so they're not you know that big. Yeah. Yeah. It's just you get into a rhythm, you know, hammering technique really goes a long way uh, to moving the steel the way you want it and how fast you want it, you know. So I use two very specialized hammers for it. Is there a material and style you prefer? Um, I like 1084 and 5160. Uh, 5160 is kind of going out in favor of another steel called ACRB2. And I haven't jumped on that bandwagon just yet. I'm going to because everyone else is telling me to do so. And if they're all all on board with ADCRV2, I guess I have to be. Uh, the the sacks that I just showed you is the last of my clean bar stock 5160. So I'm going to have to order more stuff. So when it comes to style of blades, like if you weren't getting a request, what what blade would you want to make next? Like what style What uh, would you want to make? I like making the small EDCs. They're they're fun. They're quick. They're easy. They're practice for me. Um, I can make several. I mean, as you saw, I can make a, a number of them pretty quickly. But yeah. then you know, we get into grinding, finishing. That's where everything has to slow down. Heat treating, normalizing. That's where it's critical. If you make a blade quick, well, don't rush your heat treat because you know the, what, what have you done? You've wasted all your time on a bad heat treat. So that's where I really start to slow down. So like the next day is essentially just grinding heat treating and or grinding normalizing heat treating so aside from knives um i know you like to you know obviously blacksmith like you said um, yeah. is there something you like to make uh when you're blacksmithing or is there something common that people request that you make uh people like tone decor wall hangers wall sconces uh things that hold coats and all that jazz 
I've done recreations for like old homes. There was a couple that just bought a home that was from the Victorian era or somewhat like that. It's in the Victorian style, but slightly later. And there were some wall, uh, not wall sconces, some like brackets that were missing. One was missing and they had the other one and they wanted it copied. And you can't go to Home Depot and get that, you know? And there's a certain, and you can go to a fab, you can go to a fabricator. Somebody can just machine it out and weld it, but you know, you still got to get somebody who's going to forge it, heat it up, twist it, get all that, all those particulars in there. And they wanted it to look rustic. So uh, there I was with the little tiny hammer that I used to texture like this knife over here. But that was fun. I love the fact that my piece is going to be on their house essentially. And, you know, one day, you know, someone's going to be like, well, who did that? This guy did that, and they've actually sent people my way, so it's oh, kind of cool. Nice. That's great. So we were looking through some of your uh, Instagram pictures, and when you mentioned that, um, I had actually made a note. We had made a note last night. We saw a coat rack that you had made, and I don't know, you, maybe you had posted it um, a while back. Maybe it's the one you're talking about or something. And uh, Teresa was like, oh, can you ask if that's still for sale? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's actually still in the shop because... That's one. That was one I did for practice. I did that one as a uh, like a demo piece to show what you can do with the steel that you have. Like somebody was saying, "Oh, I got to buy a steel," and I'm like, "All right, let's look at that scrap pile. Let's make something out of the scrap pile." And I that was the the afternoon's instruction was use what you have uh, around you. Oh, that's cool. So, that's a cool idea for um, an instructional like course, like just figuring out how to use something like you know, whatever you have. That's that's very neat. Okay. I, I like to be as resourceful as possible. Sean and I have never done anything when it comes to blacksmithing or bladesmithing. I can say yeah. we actually just booked an, uh, our beginner's blacksmithing course that we're going to take in two weeks. And it's a, it's a three-hour course with a blacksmith that's fairly local uh we're out of connecticut so we're going to be going to this class to kind of learn the basics so Mm -hmm. when it comes to the basics of blacksmithing would there be anything that you would recommend right off the bat um well first i'm coming off of like the abana curriculum the uh, artist blacksmiths association in north america has a curriculum um drawing out tapers scrolls twists um and then you get into like tenon joinery and, and things like that, where you're holding everything together with more than just rivets. You're actually reducing your stock to a, to a tenon. You put that together and you pin it through. Uh, that kind of stuff's a little more intense, but you know those are the things that I teach in my class. You know, I, uh, for blacksmiths, it's just, uh, it's uh, tapers, drawing out scrolls, and um, twists. And we take all those principles and t- put them into one item. So we take that and make a decorative, you know, a little bottle opener out of stainless steel or well, mild steel, but now I'm using stainless. It's a little harder, but at least you never have to worry about it rusting. Um, and it combines all those things into one functional item. So it's not like, oh, I make a thing. I guess I'll put it on the shelf. No, you can use this thing. You can clip it to your belt and use it wherever you want and have the satisfaction of knowing you lo- you made that yourself and you took all these elements, combined them into one useful thing. You know, that's kind of where that's those are kind of my 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 focuses in, in classes. Yeah, kind of to, to get the fundamentals. Uh, the fundamentals. That's <laughs> yeah. the fundamental yeah. yes. How long have you been teaching if you've been blacksmithing for four years? Well, I actually been black uh, teaching for two years. Um, and it's it's, it's so people say, Well, how long have you been doing this? And I said, eh, about four years now and they're like, uh, you're teaching a class? I'm like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's it's not I, you know I haven't been doing this very long, but I picked it up super quick, you know, and that's just the thing, you know. It's I learn things quickly, and that's just it's, it's if it's hands on, I learn even faster. If it's like more academic, it takes a little while. So uh, I just learn from being hands on because tactile learning is way more fun for me. Going outside of making stuff. Um, who, if you're a fan of the show, who would you say is maybe your favorite contestant to have watched or um, that you cheered for? Uh, <laughs> oh man, I don't want to. 
you know, because um, I got a lot of friends who've been on the show. All right, we're going to preface. We'll preface five. here. We'll <laughs> preface here. Anything he um, says at this point is not an attack on anybody else. It's just <laughs> an honest opinion on somebody he really was rooting for and enjoyed on the show. You can no exclude the okay. ones. That's fine. <laughs> so there's three of them live in, in my immediate vicinity and all know where I live. So <laughs> right. who, who that doesn't live uh, in Texas? Okay. <laughs> Ray Kirk. Okay. Okay. You know, he's, uh, he's one of the older contestants and, you know, he's – really really fast uh it's i've had the opportunity to teach alongside him and learn from him like a hammer in so i've seen him work in person with a power hammer without a power hammer and he is just moving steel faster than some of the young guys are and it's just not that he's moving fast it's that every every strike has there's no wasted motion right um and I also have you know, my favorite knife, one of my favorite personal knives is actually made by him. And that's actually something I carry all the time, uh, the Trail of Tears knife. And it's uh, it's simple, it's functional, and it's Mastersmith, you know, passed and approved. So that's what I like about it. Oh, nice. And he's so willing to teach. That's another thing. Uh, before I really knew him, I called him up and, you know, I said, you know, I'm, I wanted to know about classes and I wanted to know about this. An hour later, we're still on the phone, and he is like really giving me so many tips. And he didn't even know me at uh, in the in that. I was just like another person who called, and we've since become you know friends throughout the the last couple of years. That's awesome. We've kind of heard that from from Brandon when we interviewed Brandon. You know, he's he he said his forums out there about from bladesmiths and mm-hmm. you know like mastersmiths, just always willing to just put out their opinion, you know, critiques, whatever, but they really want to help that person, you know, grow. They really just want to lend their knowledge to someone. And it seems like it's a very tight but warm community um, in the blacksmith or bladesmith industry. Yeah, the cool thing is you don't have people trying to hoard knowledge, which is good because, you know, we, this isn't the Middle Ages where your skill set was a was a propri- proprietary thing. You know, like what you had, your skill was something that made you money and you alone. You didn't want to share it. Um, and that's not the thing. That's not really the case. I've not not that I've ever seen. And I have plenty of friends that are mastersmiths and they they'll tell me where I'm messing up and how to fix it. You know, um, I made three presentation knives for the Texas Knife Makers Guild to the best of the ability I had at the time. So Ray Kirk happened to be at the Hammer Inn, and I presented to him first because I wanted to get his opinion. Because the other people on the board who were going to look at my stuff weren't mastersmiths, but still very, 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 very good. But I wanted to run it by him. He looks at it, checks it out, looks at me, takes a deep breath, puts his hand on my shoulder, and he says... I'm just messing with you. Now let me show you where I can. You know, he scared the daylights out of me. But, you know, he, he then showed me where I was messing up and how to fix it. You know, he gave me so many tips right there. Right there, You know, it's just that's the kind of thing you expect from so many of these people. Let's switch it up here a little bit. Do you want to be a contestant on Knife or Death? Okay. <laughs> Not that we have any say in it. I'm just saying, like, would you be interested in bringing your own uh, knife on there and going through the course? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't exactly have the cardio stamina I did 10 years ago. Uh, <laughs> Who does? But, you know, I was, a, I was a martial artist for a long time. And, you know, I, I didn't forget what I learned. Uh, it's just I haven't been in active practice as uh, like I was back then. Um but I still know how to swing a weapon. You know, okay. understanding that the you know, understanding the body mechanics are important because if you swing all willy nilly, you throw your arm out. Well, you're out pretty quick. But now making a weapon, I can make it to to my specifications. I'm not buying someone else's thing and hoping it works for me. I can I can put my balance points where I want to. I can change up my edge geometry however I want to, uh, and then go nuts. So I hope I I would like to be on the show. I don't know how far I'd get, but <laughs> I would still like to go. As long as you make it past the fish. Yeah, make it yeah, past the fish. Yeah, you have to get the fish. I, I don't know if they're going to keep the fish and now that they've changed everything up, but maybe it's such a tough thing they might just keep it. They'll make it a bigger fish. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fantastic. A shark. 
The shark. I was just thinking about that. They literally jumped the shark, and there, here's a shark. That show jumped the shark when it came on. I'd say. I mean, just the whole the whole Goldberg thing. Like it's like it's really intense, and they're just sitting there. I, I you know I didn't know who, I didn't know who Bill Goldberg was uh, until someone said, "Oh yeah, he's a wrestler," and I said, "Oh." I, I thought he was from the Blade Sport, you know, competition, wow. which is, you know, I think the headquarters is based in Atlanta for all of Blade Sport. So that's what I was, that's what I thought, you know, I thought, oh, okay, he's from Blade Sport. So, so someone says, no, no, he's a, he's a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was back in the day, man. He was, uh, he was a top beast. guy. He was a top yeah. guy. His finishing. I mean, if, and if they do happen to switch him out, kind of like they did with Ben Abbott and Jay Nielsen, maybe they'll switch him out with Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know, <laughs> if you fail, he gives you the Stone Cold Stunner. You know? That'd be amazing. <laughs> Special um, appearance by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Just that, that, that eyebrow, and he's like, "Do you yeah. smell what the Rock is cooking?" <laughs> That's too high of a celebrity, yeah, I think, for the show. Yeah, he's a, he's eclipsed everybody else when it comes to WWE superstars now. <laughs> So I, you probably kind of answered this already. Have you ever competed in a professional chopping competition? Professional? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, having fun at hammering? Absolutely. Yes, I have. Uh, I might that might, that will change in September. I will be competing in a professional blade sport competition. So. God help me. These are people who really know what they're doing, and I'm going to be in there. It's going to be uh, it's going to be sad, but I'm going to give it a shot. <laughs> I've already got the competition regulation style chopper forged out and ready to go. So I just need to spend time cleaning it up and everything. Nice. That's going to be September Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. So oh, okay. there's a lot of stuff happening in Tennessee. There's, there's a lot of Smiths out there. Yeah, you had one recently. Yeah, yeah. Huad's <laughs> an awesome awesome craftsman uh, uh, I'm glad I got to meet him in person at, ha- at Blade Show uh, a while a few weeks ago so that taught me a lot our, too <laughs> that leads to our next question oh I'm sorry Sean <laughs> you can take it I'll take this one <laughs> Sean can have two right but next week. how often do you go to the Blade Show because we saw that you had gone to this year's show Was this, the uh, this is my first year wow okay first year and I was overwhelmed uh, by just the amount of stuff and then to run into people I follow on Instagram or who follow me, you know, that was pretty awesome. I mean, to have someone like uh, uh, a couple of people who really stood out were, um, uh, well, Fuad Akawi uh, and Kay- uh, Kayla Cummings from uh, Melissa Miller from Naked and Afraid just happened to recognize me. I was like, oh, oh, hi, how you doing? <laughs> You're not you know, that was, it was really cool. <laughs> um, so did you do anything to prepare for the show? I didn't take anything, and that was my fault. I should have taken one of my presentation grade buoys uh, to get it in the hands of professional makers just to get, you know, get their honest feedback. But, you know, uh, I probably wouldn't. It would probably take me down a lot hearing their professional feedback, but it's definitely something I would need to hear because I want to go that far. Journeyman, Master Smith. So I need to learn these things now so I'm not making mistakes that, you know, in the future. Right, nice. Or I was making as few mistakes as possible because you can't avoid every mistake. They're going to see something, they're going to catch something. Did you do anything to prepare for going on Fortune Fire? Yeah, I went nuts. Um, <laughs> I lost my mind. Because I thought it was, oh my god, this is so amazing. Oh my god, is my shop going to be ready for all this? And so I actually did a lot of tooling. I built a forge. I, I built a big quench tank because I was expecting a sword. And then I get the axe. You know, so that was like, okay, that was that was it. I I, pre- I practiced forging a knife out of spring steel and forged some tongs because that's what I used to do. I used to make tongs and hammers. Uh, so I forged out some tongs real quick. And quite frankly, I was hoping for a blacksmith challenge, you know, like you'll be using coal forge and you will now have to harvest your own steel. And on top of that, you have to make your own tongs. I would have loved that one. (laughs) That would have been fun for me because I'm used to making tongs. A lot of blacksmith, a lot of bladesmiths don't make their own tongs. You know, a lot of it's just sometimes it's just easier to buy a pair of tongs from someone or, or a hammer in. 
and you end up using those forever. Me, you know, I didn't have any of those, so I had to make them uh, all myself when I was getting started. Where did you film your episode? Uh, in Brooklyn? It was in Brooklyn still, okay. That oh, that, still. Yeah. So y'all know where, you know the other ones, it's not there anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, there's studios now somewhere else. Only kind of. We've, we've yeah. heard that it's moved to Connecticut because we're in Connecticut and we see Ben Abbott posting on Instagram and he's tagging Stanford, Connecticut all the time. And, I'm, and then yeah. not long ago, he posted a photo uh, visiting the Dragon's Breath Forge based out of Wolcott, Connecticut, which is like 10 minute drive from us. And we're like, what the heck? Ben Abbott was in town. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he, he's a nice guy. We, uh, we actually talked for a bit on uh, blacksmithing because, you know, when I saw his work, I'm like, oh, you're not just a bladesmith. We can talk about decorative ironwork too. He actually made a really cool gate for, for the house, I think. That was uh, I complimented him on his joinery. I was like, that's some pretty clean joinery and collars on the scrolls and everything. So, And that's definitely really cool to meet another blacksmith in this field. Because we're not always mutually exclusive, you know? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move into your episode. And okay. to, to preface getting into this... Um, if you've seen some of our other videos, you know that we make picks at the beginning of the episode. I'm Who, glad I was nobody's pick. I wasn't my own pick. <laughs> well, that's the question. Is like Teresa originally picked you and then, and then switched. switched almost immediately. Sorry. And we say, sorry, please don't hate us. Um, honestly, when we make our picks, it's based a lot off of the number of years experience they say they have. And, on, and sometimes that just doesn't translate. And sometimes it's like, the pick you need to make so that was kind of our our uh our mindset when we picked those other people and then we all came to realize that we were very far wrong right and uh, i saw the realization in the video <laughs> <laughs> well you know we only go by the 10 second intro clips yeah. that they show on the show we, and we yeah. pause it before they even do any of the tasks or anything oh but yeah before they tell you what you need to make or what material you're going to have we pause it we make our picks based on that first 10 second clip of everybody and so sometimes it's not very reliable bite you in the ass. there yeah. was one we picked someone and it came up and it, they had to do this thing and the guy that we had all picked was like i don't know how to do that thing <laughs> no uh, <laughs> yeah that was rough actually after we posted our wrap-up episode you posted uh a comment on facebook of that post which was a picture of you with the other contestants from your episode yeah. And I'm assuming that was you guys hanging out at the hotel after a day of mm -hmm. shooting. So have you kept in touch with all the people that were on the episode? Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, Andrew's on Instagram. Uh, Mike is on Instagram and Facebook. Bill doesn't have a lot of social media, so we have to actually call Bill. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I joke. I said I had to send him a telegraph the other day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he's a busy guy, you know. Uh, he's uh, Bill's Bill's awesome. Um, what what you probably didn't know, and what was not said actually, is that he's a journeyman smith in the ABS. Yeah. He never mentioned it. He never told us. He only told us after the fact, and we were like, "Well, why didn't you say anything about it?" He says, "In this competition, it doesn't really matter what my skill is." He said, "This is a level playing field almost." And you know, he was the most humble guy. As a matter of fact. The first night, you know, after, you know, Bill, uh, you got the cut, he was like, let's go do something. So we went out and he bought us all a round of drinks. That's just the kind of guy Bill is, you know, just really cool dude. And, you know, all of them are. Was Andrew's lack of welding experience exaggerated? You know, really, I don't know, but I know that he has since corrected that to the <laughs> extreme. Um, he got himself a MIG welder. Because he's doing a lot of Damascus now. And, and you know, here's the thing. Bill and, uh, and, and Mike are, you know, uh, Bill, uh, sorry, Bill and Andrew are fantastic Smiths. Like the stuff that they're doing, and I, and I, can, I think I can uh, speak for Mike too when he says this. We both look at their work and just go like, wow, that's what I want to be doing. You know, because Mike and I are hobbyists. You know, Bill and Mike are professionals. You know, like. Uh, Bill and Mike. I keep saying Mike because I talk to him all the time. Uh, Bill and Andrew are professionals. Uh, Andrew does it full time, and he is just cranking some stuff out. He was working with Jason Knight recently. You know, he he's really on a roll. And you know, Mike and I just feel like, man, 
they're gonna they're gonna feel bad when they watch this episode and they'll see how these two yahoos make it to the end. You know? <laughs> had you had a lot of experience with the canister Damascus uh, before going on a show? Yes, I had done it before, and uh, the thing is, you get tunnel vision. The moment Will says you got whatever time, it's like everything around you stops and it becomes an instant focus. And what my biggest my biggest mistake, I think, was that I didn't see the squaring dies for the press were right there in uh, on a shelf. And I, I completely forgot they even existed in the time I was there, which, you know, would have made my job so much easier because instead of compressing it this way, I would have had a complete compression from all sides. Um, and I forgot about it. I, but I've done canisters before. The first two were absolutely awful. The second two were good. And the third one was a little... And I mean, the, the the fifth one was a little eh. That was the one on the show. <laughs> that one was a little <laughs> eh because I was rushed. It looked pretty good. I mean, once you cut yeah, that end off, you know, yeah. you, that that's a good looking billet. Yeah, it was funny because uh, uh, Will had that cannoli comment, yeah. and it was and and the thing is, I was when I was filling it up, I was like, wait a minute. I should just stack these because you didn't. But what I didn't notice is that there were springs about that big. And they're too big for the can, you know, upright, the can's about that big, springs are like that. Well, in the mix, there's tiny springs that are like half size. So I kind of like went back and stuck those in and filled it back up because I was like, what the hell am I doing? I caught myself. Right. And and it's funny because I, I guess they didn't have that because they needed to have the, you know, looks like a bunch of cannolis comment, which was funny because, you know, that, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I'm going to get everything messed up here. Let me do it again. Prior to this episode obviously you've done blacksmithing work before have you ever made an axe head before yes i have okay. i've done about five or six axes i mean that's, that's not a lot i'm not liam hoffman whose whose job his bread and butter is essentially making axes uh but you know i know how they work i've done the wraparound form it's just you take your mild steel wrap it around and then you put your core steels i've done solid billets and then drifting an eye through them but I've never done one that with the, the, the body and the ta- the flanges and the spike is all you know all almost one piece at, at the end of it you know, or at least all metal construction. That was not that was on my to do list, but not with two camera people there and and you know ten thousand dollars on the line. <laughs> we love that you use the turkey pan. It, it gives us like hope for our future. We have that turkey pan it's from Macy's, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that old turkey pan. I literally dug it out of the garage from somewhere. I'm like, okay, I have stuff from like when my great grandmother was still around, and I'm just still have stuff from then. I'm like, turkey pan. I just grabbed that because <laughs> it wouldn't fit in the in the tank that I had. Remember, I prepared for a sword, not an axe. Right. So yeah, that's what happened. It gives us hope that one day, <laughs> if we build our own forge here, turkey we can pan. come out with the turkey pan if we need to quench something like that. You, Jay, Jay Nielsen does that, actually. Jay Nielsen has a turkey roaster filled with oil, and he can adjust the heat so he can have preheated oil for quenching smaller knives. Oh, okay. Well, I, got, yeah. I got one of those turkey deep fryers, so yeah, we can do that. Eh. It's a little different. It's a little different, but I mean, you know, constant. we got Dutch oven. Let's get all the kitchenware. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Use it for its intended purposes. Why not? I watched some of your Instagram live last night. I know you oh, happened to God. notice me pop on there. <laughs> I was just wondering um, what type of blade you were working on last night. I mean, you were on um, for a while, but I popped on for maybe five minutes and I saw you working on something. Uh, it was pretty much like the knife you just saw, the little one with the little tail on the end, but right. with, a, with a little uh, bottle opener part right ah, right here. Yeah. Because, you know, you just get in. So you keep you keep basically you keep it in the sheath and then you just use it pop it open or whatever. It's kind of like a little just a little extra thing, you know. Oh yeah. So how bad um, did you mess up that axe head that you had to you know start over? Because I know oh, you, yeah. you cut those reliefs and you, you wanted to really spread it out, but it just wasn't happening. Was it just not going to be enough? It would have been it would have been enough, but it would have been too thin. That was the problem I was running into. Um, and quite frankly, I did have enough steel to make that kind of an axe head possible. It just would have been way on the thin side. And it would have been – I wouldn't have trusted it because 
if you forge too thin, you run the risk of cracking in your quench and or, or really bad warping. And I wasn't about to have that with an axe. You know, it's 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 hard to you can't really straighten a warp out of the edge of an axe because you have so much meat behind it. You can't just clamp it in vice and then throw it back in the oven to temper. It just isn't going to really work. Uh, was it easy to implement the spike? Yes, uh, because it's all one piece. Right. Uh, so that was one piece of steel right there, and then I had to forge weld the uh, piece of 5160 into the, the little slot that I cut out. So I was intending on making it, you know, one piece and then drifting the eye, uh, but, you know, that happened. <laughs> Getting too thin happened. So I was putting a, a new head on that spike, or was that what you did? Yeah, um, what I did was you take the I, t I cut a notch in the steel and then I put the piece in there and then closed it back up and then pinned it. I actually put like a pin through and forge welded the whole thing to itself. So even if the weld broke along the edge, it was still pinned in there. Right. So it wouldn't come flying out from impact. Gotcha. Um, just as agate security, I put that in there. At the end of the day, you couldn't even see it when, he, when I ground it right. somewhat clean. Um, after seeing Mike's axe head break off, were you, were you stressing out that yours would do the same? Uh, honestly, I wasn't worried about it breaking off because of the way it was constructed. I mean, Jay's Jay's crazy, but he couldn't. Uh, he's not that crazy. At the at the worst, I was I was I was worried that the the shaft of it would bend because it's a it's it's like a tubing. It's forty one forty tubing. Uh, people thought it was solid. I'm like, there's no way Jay would have been swinging that if it was solid. It would have weighed like 15 pounds, you know. Um, that was my concern was that maybe there'd be a little point where it, it, it would have buckled somewhere. So I was worried somewhere that the shaft might take a bend in one direction or the other. The head was pretty well secure on there because I did it the same way I do tenon joinery, like blacksmithing stuff. I, I, I kind of wrapped it all around itself right. uh, and then put the spike the top spike actually goes through the center and then is pinned again. So that thing is pinned, pinned, riveted, and everything else. Yeah, that's really sturdy. That's not going off anywhere. Yeah. I felt bad when I saw Mike's, the, the head break off right there at the point where he was worried about. We were just, I think I had more expression when I saw it, when I saw it break than he did. He was just like, well, well and I was just like. Up, and you let out this big sigh like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I just felt bad. I was like, ow. It was you like know. a last hit, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you cheered John when... Oh, yes. Yeah. So the end of our points. episode, John was cheering that Teresa ended up not getting the points because yeah. she didn't pick you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, see, one other, one other random question I have here. Um, again, we were scrolling through the Instagram yesterday. And we saw you had a cello. How long have you played cello? Uh, on and off, on and off, uh, thirteen years. Oh, nice, nice. Was um, that your That was my first major instrument. I mean, piano was there, but I mean, pianos are a little bit more accessible, I think, than a cello. So, uh, cello is definitely my first real in stringed instrument, and then it progressed from there. If it's got strings, I've either owned it or play it because I really love string instruments. Was that something that you initially picked or your parents like, oh, here, play the cello? Uh, no, 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 no. I've, uh, mm -hmm. I, 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 the, the, they, I don't know how they felt about my musical pursuits, but <laughs> um, I just gravitated towards stringed instruments. How was it uh, being in Blade Magazine? I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I get this email from uh, Aaron Healy, who was then the editor uh, for Blade Magazine. And we were talking. Um, I guess she found me through a mutual acquaintance or something like that. Because uh, uh, we were talking on Facebook. And then she says, you know, I'm looking for something to round off the uh, Knife Maker Showcase. And I said, well, I showed her a number of blades um, that I had at the time. Um, and that was the only one that was good enough to put in the magazine in terms of like the picture quality, not necessarily the blade itself, but the quality of the picture was good enough to get put into the magazine. I guess the resolution was better. Um, there are other knives I wish would have made the cut, but 
that one made it in there, and I was, I was like, all right, well, I'll talk about that one then. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> earlier on that you just came from a lodge meeting. How long have you been a Freemason? Uh, what year is it now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Five, six years now. Cool. Yeah, Teresa, so Teresa's family has experience with yeah, uh, the my, Freemasons. My dad's a Mason. My parents were both oh. an Eastern Star. I was a Rainbow Girl for a while. Oh, okay. International things. International Order of the Rainbow or something like that? Something. I forget. <laughs> yeah. I was orange. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I actually understand that. Um, uh uh, uh, a girl I dated actually she was in rainbows when she was younger and her grandfather uh, is the one who got me involved in Freemasonry so that's pretty cool you know? um, but yeah so that's kind of how I learned about rainbows also because you know a friend of mine is really big on gigging them situated and everything in, in town so yeah I don't there hasn't I don't think there's been a mason in my family ever so I'm the first I don't have a long lineage, as uh, some people do, who can trace it back like to 18 or whatever. I'm like, I don't know my family history beyond 1910. So, uh, I remember you did a uh, a little bit of Christopher Walken impression on the, uh, oh. the show. <laughs> Here's the thing. I said so many other things. I was trying to be like – Maybe I'll give them a good, profound quote. Something cool. No, they get they went with they went with that. <laughs> it's like, what's that? Life changing quote? Something inspirational? Christopher Walken. Let's let that one happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Of all the things, it just happened, and I let it happen. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, we were, I just like, I think from huh? Brandon that you guys just they sit you down for hours and hours for for interviews and stuff. It's like the most unpleasant part of it for me, <laughs> or, or I think most of us. I'm just not used to speaking in the present tense about stuff that might have happened before or after, you know what I mean, or right. uh, afterwards. Right. You know, uh, people say, like, I, I just don't understand how people are still like, so do they, like, take a break and then interview them? I'm like, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't just pop you out of what you're doing to do the interview. I mean, it's all, like, afterwards and everything so you don't sometimes you don't even remember luckily the people who are asking the questions it's their job to remember what you were doing because they're taking notes um and one of them uh was uh mike mike was having trouble with his billet his it was, it was starting to crumble and everything and that's just a matter of like you know not leaving it in there too long not leaving it in there long enough like i i was calling it rotisserie steel I did this whole Julia Child thing while I was out there. I was like, I'll be put it in for exactly 30 minutes and turn it back and forth. Rotisserie steel is fantastic. So I'm turning it around, you know, and just letting it just get as high as possible and then consolidating it. And then, you know, Mike cracked his billet open and then he sees this and he's got that look. He walks past me and he's just got, man, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, what's wrong? And then I see it. I said, just get it back in the forge, get it super, super, super hot. And then, Get, you know, compress, get it on the press several times before you even go to the power hammer. And uh, the produ the guy who was on set, the producer, I guess, asked me, um, so Alex, would you be upset if, you know, if Mike went ahead and you didn't, as a result of you helping him, like let's say that I had a flaw and he didn't, but I helped him out. And I said, I, I said, I'd rather be, what did I, I say? I'd rather be a good sport and lose and a bad sport and win. And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, Brother Mark Twain said it best. It's better to deserve honors and not to have them than to have them and not deserve them. And so that's how I felt about that. I'm like, no, I'm not going to just – if there's something I can do to help, I would try. You know, I wanted to talk to Bill because I was just seeing something happen over there. And because Bill is Bill, I'm like, the guy's going to do something amazing. He's going to kick all of our butts. And it just didn't go that way. And I mean, I know he's way more than capable. It's just no one's used to doing stuff with tiny springs. Right. Yeah, it was very mm -hmm. awkward material to work. Yeah. And here's here's something you here's something that I'm so upset that didn't make the cut. Bill is a professional banjo player. Yeah. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> Not only that, he brought his banjo to the set and played it during the interview. <laughs> Where is that? I don't know. But he uh, he built it himself. Like he's a machinist, if I remember correctly. So he literally built this banjo over the course of a year on his lunch breaks in the shop. 
and it was, it was a lot heavier than your average banjo, but man, was it really powerful, really resonant. And the funniest thing was the night that we came back to the hotel and he had it with him and he just whips it out in the hotel lobby, this nice, this pretty nice swanky hotel. And there's all these business people there. And he proceeds to play dueling banjos with flawless precision. And, pe- and everyone's just like, what is happening? You know, he's just going to town on this thing, Earl Scruggs style. And that, why that never made the cut, I have no clue. I know there was even me singing because I used to, back in the day, I used to sing for formal occasions. Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Tony Bennett, uh, that kind of stuff. That was like my thing. And they even got me to do a little Frank Sinatra on set, but I guess they couldn't do it because of maybe licensing or something. I don't know. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't put any of that in the show then, especially the banjo. I think banjo would be shoo-in. Yeah, that would be really perfect. Yeah, that would have been beautiful. I was was hoping for that. I was was like, man, I want to see that because, you know, we can hear it while we're, you know, off somewhere else waiting. (laughs) And I'm just hearing the song. And if I remember correctly, it's it's a traditional song from like the Civil War era. And he played it and I'm just like, man. I never got to hear it, you know, because I was just in the other room somewhere else. I'm hearing the this the tones coming out from the from over there. Right. But yeah, so much fun fun stuff that never got aired. But they kept Christopher Walken. I don't understand them. <laughs> it's like professional banjo player? No, let's keep the guy who does the voice because it sounds like Christopher Walken. You know? <laughs> that's that's great, right? Oh. Yeah, it's good TV right there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, oh my god, my boss is gonna see this. <laughs> Your boss is Christopher Walken. Oh no, that would be so. That would be. <laughs> just imagine. He's like, it's like I heard you were talking smack about me. How dare you? <laughs> What's that line from Joe Dirty? He's like, do it again and I'll stab you in the face with a sauce <laughs> <in> the <laughs> <hand>. yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. This interview has gone off. No, the no, this is good. Sorry about uh, that. <laughs> um, actually, that's all the questions yeah. we had. Um, uh, I Oh, so if Chris and I actually get this going somehow. Yes. Okay. Um, saying that tongs are something that you sh- we should maybe try to make. Oh, and yeah. I know you guys, you said you make hammers. Would hammers be something that feasibly we would want to try early on <laughs> or later on once we hone some skills? I would say tongs first. Hammers, you know, hammers are dime a dozen, essentially. I mean, if you're going to buy a nice rounding hammer or a, or a custom forge hammer, that's one thing. But you can easily buy a cross pin anywhere, essentially. You can buy any kind of cross pin at just about any hardware store. Uh, tongs, on the other hand, can be a little expensive. Like the tongs that I use, the only pair that I ever purchased, those were sixty something dollars, and wow. they were made by Matt Parkinson, who's uh, over there at Dragon's Breath Forge. Oh, okay. And so, um, they are my favorite tongs. Uh, I used them on set, and I used two of my hammers on set. One of which I made, and the other that was purchased, but. What, what disappointed me is I, I, there's no video, there's no uh, clip of me actually forging. It just goes from, he's making cannolis, it's a billet, here's a full-size knife. And I'm like, my friends kind of wanted to see how I forge. And I was like, well, damn. Yeah, they didn't show All right, anything. Live streams. They were just, yeah, just cut to, hey, there's a blade profile. I was like, okay, well, that's how we know that things are going good for someone when they don't really have any camera time. Because there's nothing like bad happening. Well, the funny thing is, uh, I had uh, well, they were showing Mike having trouble at the drill press, and he was visibly upset. Right. What they didn't show was how I was even more freaked out in round two. Like I was losing my mind. I was knocking stuff. I was like, I was trying not to swear. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm the program director for a, for a nonprofit, a Methodist-based nonprofit. So <laughs> a lot of my my board members and such they're like pastors and, and everything so i'm like try not to swear try not to swear try not to swear but it, I, i'm sorry a number of f-bombs would have been on that particular thing because i was freaking out because i had 30 minutes left and i had a block that big on the end of my 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 uh, my knife 30 minutes i need to take this block of white ash and for and, and, and grind it down and pin the handle the the butt cap to the thing 
Yeah, no, I was having a full-on freak out, and I think that because they have us all mic'd up, they can hear us like having our little soliloquy of freaking out. And so the camera people are all around me now. It's just I look up, there's one. Just like on those one like like track can that goes. Another guy right here. I'm just like catching this one. There might as well have been a 360 to capture my entire freak out all the way around. But they didn't air that, which is probably good because I was, um, yeah, my language was extremely colorful <laughs> right then and there. All right. Well, is that it? I think that's it. That's it. So yeah. uh, we're out of questions. Do you have anything else you wanted to say uh, that we put out to Talk about or promote? Well, I mean, you know, people think, oh, it's an opportunity to promote yourself. But no. Um <laughs> People already see my stuff. I want people to see, uh, you know, Bill Van Hederen's work. You know, he, he's been trying to get him on Facebook or Instagram, something, you know, to show his work. But he's actually so busy with custom orders, he just doesn't feel the need to do the Instagram thing. You know, his, his work speaks for itself. Andrew's already out there. Andrew Wozniak, Colony Knife Co. As a matter of fact, well, my, my other knife that I carry, it's made by him. Um, uh, Mike Leprechaun Lair Forge, he's awesome. You know that's why we get along. We're both blacksmiths who moved into bladesmithing, so we have a very similar uh, a story. And yeah, like people know can find Volander Forge because they'll find me. And I'm on a lot of different sites. I'm on the Texas Knife Makers website, the Texas Knife Makers Guild, Balcony's Forge, and like four other sites. So you'll find me if you plug my name in somewhere. Alex Ruiz will pop up as a bladesmith somewhere, except maybe the first two search results, uh, which are an, uh, an artist, a concept surrealist or something like that. He does a, you know, H.R. Giger? Yes. The guy who, yeah, he does that kind of really cool, surreal, dark artwork. Like, it's really cool what this Alex Ruiz is doing, uh, but he's not this one. <laughs> he's, he's the more talented Alex Ruiz doing the art, you know what I mean? So I that's, think that's, that's probably subjective, depending <laughs> on who's looking at it, because uh, <laughs> it's we we are a big fan of yours and uh, the work that you've been oh, doing. Yeah. So thank yeah. you for then, for coming on with us. We really appreciate the time, and um, yeah, that's it. You know, we'll um, we'll we'll put the information for your Instagram page and everything up on the uh, the video description and that sort of thing. And um, follow Alex. Follow yeah. Alex. Yeah. So. I can't wait to get, I can't wait to get home and get out of the suit. Yeah. <laughs> just just go right into a Black Sabbath T-shirt and you're like, I'm done for the day. The Black Sabbath shirt's on. I'm just done. Right. <laughs> Don't ask me to do anything. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for watching. And again, be sure to follow Alex and this. You know. Tune in for more stuff. We got more stuff coming up, more wrap-ups, more interviews, and all sorts of good stuff. And they're gonna try forging. And we're gonna try forging very <laughs> soon. So thanks again, Alex, and adios, everybody. Bye. Peace. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, 